This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to live as a person of faith in a culture against faith. All right. So let's talk about PTSD. Must we? Yes. It is, it is essential to talk about. All right. Let's do it then. So, first of all, this feels like a very obvious thing, but I have to say it. You don't get PTSD without experiencing some level of trauma. Right? Yes. I, I feel like I shouldn't have to say that, <laughs> but at the same time, like, yeah. I feel like I also do. Right. So with that, though, if trauma is subjective, yes. can anyone have PTSD? Well, uh, I think that that is kind of controversial. Okay. Because some people think that trauma is relative. Some people don't. Right? And that is one of those things, like, it, for uh, a good comparison in theology— It's the difference between Arminian and Calvinist or Reformed soteriology, right? Like, Hmm. um, it it may not be as polarizing, but it's legitimately, there's two camps of people that think differently on this. Um, And I believe the trauma is relative, so I believe that anyone could experience PTSD. Okay. It depends on their person. It depends on how they respond to the trauma, whether or not they get help. Yeah. All those sorts of things matter. Also, did it start with ASD? Right? Mm, Yeah. If it started with acute stress disorder, it's much more likely than if if it goes untreated that it will turn into post-traumatic stress disorder. Right? Yeah. Um. All those sorts of things matter. But for it to be PTSD, you have to see symptoms for a minimum of one month. Minimum of one month. Okay. Now, I, I do kind of want to jump a little bit ahead in my notes. I realize I have it um, kind of backwards here. Um, but you have to see four different kinds of symptoms for a minimum of one month. So four, you said four different kinds. By four, that, do you mean category or just four different symptoms? Four different kinds of symptoms. Like four different categories of symptoms. Okay. Um, and so you have to see, this is from National Institute of Mental Health. Um, a re-experiencing symptom, at least one. Um, an avoidance symptom. Um, two arousal and reactivity symptoms, and then two cognition and mood symptoms. Um, and you have to see all of these for a minimum of one month for it to be true diagnosable PTSD. Okay. Um, re-experiencing symptoms. This feels kind of self-explanatory, but flashbacks, bad dreams, frightening thoughts. Right. Pretty standard with PTSD, I would think. Fairly standard. You have to be experiencing those for a minimum of one month like the rest of these. 
Okay. Avoidance symptoms, staying away from places, events, or objects that are reminders of the traumatic event, uh, of the traumatic experience. Avoiding thoughts or feelings related to the traumatic event. Arousal and reactivity symptoms. Um, easily started, feeling on edge, um, difficulty sleeping, and uh, outbursts of anger. Okay. Cognition and mood. Trouble remembering key features of the traumatic event. Mm. Negative thoughts about oneself or the world. Distorted feelings like guilt or blame. Loss of interest in enjoyable activities. So those cognition and mood symptoms. I want you to go back a few episodes. What did that sound like? Depression. Kind of some depressive symptoms, huh? Yeah. Well, as I was listening, I was going, okay, where does isolation come into here? Because what what actually ends up happening, I would imagine, is that if you are experiencing all four of those recurring for at least one month, you're going to isolate yourself as a form of self-preservation. If you're dealing with all that, yeah, you're going to isolate. In some way, that's probably true. Um, I don't actually know. Uh, I didn't consider that when I was outlining this. Um, but yeah, I think you're probably right. I think that you would end up isolating yourself, leading back into some depression. Yeah. Um, logically, that would make sense. I don't have data on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like a lot of the people that I've known in the past, like that people have that PTSD. have been diagnosed PTSD, yeah, they do isolate. Mm-hmm. Lots of them do. It's just easier to cope that way. Yep. Um, and maybe not the best way, but it's easier. It, it's easier for sure. Um, and these symptoms can persist for months, maybe yeah. years, right? Like yeah. it, it's not one of those things that, um, so for the example of a soldier, you come home after your third tour, you can't expect them to just be okay. Right. Right. You can't expect them to be fine after a couple months. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, also, like all of these things, what do I always say? If it's a true disorder, what does it end up doing? Interferes with your daily life. Yeah. That is one common theme. All mental health disorders. It interferes with your daily life. Work, school, relationships, um, spirituality, right? Like, whatever it is, it interferes with your daily life and it inhibits you from being a functioning human being. Yeah. Scary, sad, but it's true. Yeah. And PTSD is no different than any of these others in the sense that it inhibits your daily life. Yeah. So, if you remember with ASD it was so uh, disassociative symptoms were more common. Right. And we walked through some of those. Mm-hmm. So if you don't remember what disassociative symptoms are, go back and refresh yourself. Um, or just type into Google real quick and you'll figure it out. That is less common in um, PTSD. Why? 
No idea. That's just what I read today in all of the data that I was looking at. Don't know why, but it is less common. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe it's because it's more grounded. Um, and it's more settled in your brain because it's had more time to develop. Yeah. Um, you have less time to disassociate. Right. Does it make sense? Yeah. Maybe. Like, maybe. Yeah. Um, either way, I don't know the answer. I, I don't know the curious. answer either. Yeah, that's I was just, just a, curious. That's theory by Clayton Ware. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm still a bachelor student. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it still cracks me up when you say that theory by Clayton <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm still in my undergrad. Like, I don't know yeah. everything. <laughs> oh, dude, I want my second master's degree. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's a good question, though. Like, that, yeah. if there's not research out there to, to understand that, maybe we should do some. Um, but, um, so we've, we've talked, we've talked symptoms to death at this point. Um, and honestly, you know, symptoms of PTSD, I feel like are fairly common knowledge. Well, yeah. And, um, well, I think because, you know, mental health, there wasn't the awareness around it for a long time. And so when combat veterans would come back from conflicts and try to re-engage into civilian life, there were all these, you know, stories about it. And people would write fan fiction and, mm -hmm. you know, like Criminal Minds episodes and just all kinds of stuff about PTSD and like combat soldiers. veterans. Yeah. And it's just a lot of that is, it's truly fiction. Well, it is, but it... It hyperized the conversation. It, it also did that. Um. Um, and just when that happened, I think because that was the first like big known mental health issue, people latched onto it like, what is this new thing? Yeah. And everybody's an armchair expert on mm -hmm. PTSD. That is true. Everybody's an armchair expert. Everyone's an armchair expert. I think, you know, what I always remember my first experience with fully understanding what, or trying to fully understand what PTSD was, was the first Rambo movie. Mm. You remember when he comes home from Nam and ends up shooting up the, the entire town and killing yeah. like half the cops that live there? Yeah. I think that was my first it, like introduction to what PTSD was. Yeah. Fiction. Could it happen? Sure. Does it? Very rare. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, like, I remember there's an episode of Criminal Minds where a guy, he's a combat vet, and he, like, he'd been back for a while. Like, it wasn't like it was his first time back or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't happy. Right. But, and he was struggling. But the episode, oddly enough, it takes place in Houston. Yeah. Oh, I remember this episode. And the guy drives past the construction zone. Yeah. And here's and, the nail gun. Well, here's the jackhammer. The jackhammer. That's what it was. And thinks it's uh, an LMG. Yep. And it like sparks on for him and he's gone. Yep. And he's, he literally thinks he's trying to survive an Afghan like takeover and he's hiding in their seats. He's, they think he's a homeless person cause he's right. living like 
just well what is one of the most stigmatizing things that people say about people with a true psychosis ptsd is not you're crazy you're crazy people look at people with ptsd and call them crazy too because it looks a lot like hallucinations and delusions yeah it can it looks like a it, it can really look like true psychosis because you yeah. you are seeing things that aren't there you're experiencing experiencing a reality that doesn't exist yeah it can look like psychosis yeah and and people see that happen and go this person's crazy right no they're not crazy they need help yeah they experience something traumatic. It it is the equivalent of you watching someone get into a car accident and they're bleeding, and you go, "They, they're bleeding. They're bleeding. Like yes, they're bleeding, but that doesn't mean the bleeding is fatal." Well, and also, there is no way to say that someone is bleeding in a way that is derogatory. If you call someone crazy, you're gushing. <laughs> no, I don't know. I was trying. But you're there's right. Not. Crazy. If you, if you call is someone a very crazy, derogatory. It's very yeah. derogatory. If you say that they need help, like there's yeah. a proper way to say that and a wrong way to say it. You can say that derogatory, but you can for say sure. almost anything derogatory. You can for sure. Um, but you can make an observation. Yeah. This person is having a mental health challenge and they need help. Yeah. You don't have to call them crazy. Yeah. I'm sorry. That bothers me so much whenever I hear people talk about people with PTSD or some level of, of psychosis and call them crazy. It drive. excuse me, it drives me nuts. It bothers me. Yeah. Or even if people like with like bipolar disorder, like I've heard other people call them crazy. Yeah. They're not crazy. They're having a mental health challenge and they need help. Well, in some years that will go away, right? I remember when I was a kid. That was just the normal term. Well, no, I, I was going to use a different analogy, but I remember when I was a kid, it was not uncommon to hear kids call other kids retards. Oh, yeah. Which now... Is like yeah. ultimate taboo. Nobody says that anymore. We, we really should not use that word. And I think crazy will be the same way. Like as awareness goes up, like people will stop saying that. It's yeah. just right now the awareness is still so new. I think the term crazy in and of itself is fine. Right? Like, oh, bro, I had a crazy day today. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, but not in a conversation about like you are so crazy. Yeah. Like, oh man, my ex, she, she bat crap crazy, right? Like, no, stop. <laughs> what if she really is though? <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm just curious. Like, what if she really is though? Then she needs help. She doesn't need you calling her bat crap crazy. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm I'm just saying. I'm, uh, so yeah. there's a song by a modern country artist. I'm not going to say the name of it because it's not the time and place on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> um, it starts with a B and ends with an H is the name of the song. Okay. <laughs> you know where I'm going. Uh, yeah. You don't have very many options. Yeah. <laughs> Five letter word. 
yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and in the, in the song, he said, I could call you crazy. Oh. I'd, I'd have to just... throw all of your crap out the door. But I don't mess with B words no more. Um, in, in a way, I vibe with that. Right, like whoever your ex is, male or female, whatever. It doesn't help to call them crazy. Yeah. It doesn't help to call anyone crazy. Yeah. So question steering us back to PTSD. Back to the main topic, yeah. Um I don't have a statistic off the top of my head to prove this. I do know that fifty percent of first time marriages end in divorce. 75% of second marriages end in divorce and yep. 80% of third marriages end in divorce. Yep. And of all marriages, 30% of them end due to issues of infidelity. Yep. So I don't know the number off the top of my head. Like the overlap between well, that and PTSD or some level. Well, what, what I was trying to get it to is the potential, and if not the most common definitely a top three i think of trauma that most people experience is betrayal trauma for sure i, I don't i don't know the can, set on that, but like yeah i could see that can ptsd show up in betrayal trauma who uh i'm not the right person to ask okay um jake porter would be the person to ask about that or yeah, somebody of course that, he would or yeah. jake someone that jake porter could put you in contact with but um yeah, I mean, I could see it. Um, like intellectually, I I could see the 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 possibility there. Well, like um, I know some women who've been cheated on, depending on the type of cheating that happened. Yeah. Um, Whether it was emotional or physical or both, or, or um, the manner in which their ex handled themselves through the cheating. Yeah. Um, for a lot of them, their new significant other's phone ringing. Mm. triggers feelings for them. Now, I don't want to jump out there and call that PTSD, yeah. but I'm like, those triggers are there. And so if you can have triggers, you can have a stress disorder that comes off of your trigger, yep. which would be post-trauma. Um, So post-trauma, like we've already stated, you have to show all four of those right. categories of symptoms for, for at least a, a month, for a minimum of a month. Got it. It is definitely possible, 100% possible, that a that a person who had been cheated on could experience PTSD. Okay. If they show those symptoms. If not, it might be acute stress. Yeah, interesting. And even there, it might just be a general reaction to trauma, right? Yeah. Um, it might just be that they have experienced betrayal trauma. Right. Which we need to do a whole episode on, maybe two or three episodes on betrayal trauma, but like I don't feel qualified to talk about betrayal trauma. Um, well, you're definitely not the expert. We have access to the expert. We have ex access the to the ex expert. The expert is extremely busy. <laughs> yeah, she's hard to get a hold of. He is or extremely he, hard yes. to get a hold of. Uh, so... Yeah, Jake's a dear friend of ours, but he, he's he's busy. 
he's like impossible to track down these days. But it is possible that a woman who has been cheated on, she could have or PTSD. a person in general. Or a person. In I general, used women. Right? You use women. The people that I know. But. I was thinking women. That's why I said she just a second ago. But yes. Um, Yes. Which significantly more common that the females well, are betrayed. And actually, um, one to six percent of the general population, excluding soldiers, right? Or including soldiers, the, just the general overall population, one to six percent have PTSD. One to six percent? One to six percent of the so general population. Single digits yeah. percentile of people that have PTSD. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, so much but, less common. Yes, much less common, but more women than men. Ooh. So, you take that information and you do with it what you want. Whether it's issues of domestic abuse. Yeah, so I was fixing to say, what what percent of that is like rape victims? It, it might be domestic abuse. Yeah. It, it might be lack of consent issues, yeah. right? Which would be rape would fall in that category, but yeah. also other things fall in that category. Yep. Uh, I have a friend. Um, I'm not going to give any other information other than I know this I, person. No, you do not know no, this no, person. No, no, no. I'm saying that that's the extent yes, of the I know this I person. I know this person. She, I'm not a qualified individual. I'm not diagnosing. She has never been to a true mental health professional for this. She has been to Christian counselors, which are mental health professionals. They can be. They can be, but they do not diagnose, okay? That has to be important, or that has to be stated. Based on what I've seen, she could be diagnosed with PTSD based on a lack of consent issue that did not end in rape. Right? Makes sense. So... It is dependent on the person in the scenario. And it is very common in women for whatever situation, right? For various different reasons. Yeah. But I think if we're going to talk about PTSD, we can't not talk about Job. Interesting. So you did not tell me you were going to drop that on I me. I didn't. I forgot to tell you before um, we started. But Job. <laughs> Why do you think Job is a character of PTSD? I think that Job exhibits various forms and various symptoms. While the Bible does not use the term post-traumatic stress. Of course not. Job lost everything. Job saw people die. Job had things done to him that most people can't understand. Yep. There is levels of trauma that he has experienced that most living humans have not. Yes. Um, And he spends the next, like, 30 chapters (laughs) um separating himself walking away fighting with his friends and in prayers of lament um and 
constantly rehashing all of the things that happened with God over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. He shows the symptoms for PTSD. Hmm. Um, now we don't know how long this period was and how yeah, long it progressed. Yeah. But if there was one person we were going to look to in the Bible with PTSD, you have to go to Job. Yeah, it's hard trying to go to the Bible for case studies. It is. There are some that are more obvious than others. Sure. Like... Um, when we do addictions, mm. oh, Solomon, Solomon is, is very a- clearly a sex addict. Yep. Uh, first Kings 11 is very clear that Solomon has all the things needed to be a sex and addict. We'll, we'll come back. To um, that, but so there are times where you can definitely do that. You can point and say, yes, this happened, but Job is a much harder one. It is. Uh, but we got to wrap up here quickly. Um, yeah, I'm not saying I disagree with you on the Job thing, but I'm also not ready to commit to agreeing with you. That's fine. I don't have a better example. I don't either. I'm just going to say that Job has the symptoms. But how did the story end, Cullen? Restoration. God makes all things new. He restored Job and his family into the rightful place and then some more so than what he had before if you are experiencing PTSD there is hope for you and if if you need help finding that help reach out we will help you we will put you in contact with the people that you need to talk to but you also have to remember that God restores.